Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And we are back again this week with a frequent visitor on our program, and that would be Brad Crone, who is the president of Campaign Connections and is a political strategist in the state of North Carolina, has been ever since he got good sense and left the broadcast news business where he at one time worked for WPTF as a reporter and news editor, afternoon news editor for WPTF. And of course, he's also been a newspaper publisher at one point in his, his colorful career. Well, anyway, Brad, uh, for I guess maybe the last 20 years, you've been basically doing uh, campaign work and political strategizing. Well, I'm 30 now, Don. 30. This is year 30. Can you believe that? Well, and that's hard to believe because you're only 42. So you must have started when you were 42, uh, when you were 12. Uh, but you did get an early start because at one point in time, of course, you were uh, uh, traveling around with politicians. But anyway, that, enough about that. Let's let's get on to what's going on in this day and age. And things have sort of simmered uh, to a, a, a slower pace in the last week. Uh, the Biden administration is off and running with all sorts of initiatives. Uh, the uh, Trump uh, crowd is uh, relatively quiet right now while they are preparing for their impeachment trial. Still a lot of debate about whether or not there should be an impeachment. Uh, and uh, what, what, what's your thought on that, Brad? I'm really I have I have really mixed emotions. I see both line of lines of argumentation. Um, the Republicans say, let's move on. Uh, President Trump is out of office. We're not going to do anything but further divide the country. And I also see the the notion from uh, the Senate Majority Leader uh, Schumer and the Speaker of the House. You say we came darn close to a, a complete insurrection, where there was a you know thousands of people storming the Capitol, uh, chanting "Hang Mike Pence." They had zip ties. There were there were intentions clearly to kidnap and to uh, take hostage members of Congress. They breached the Senate. Um, they did not breach the House chambers, but it caught, it was a deadly affair. Uh, and so I see both. I don't think there are votes to convict as we saw in the in the procedural vote early this earlier this week on the constitutionality of the, the question of impeachment. Uh, so you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to uh, convict. And what purpose do you gain from further? I mean, the whole country knows what happened on January the 6th. So I believe, Don, the real course of action is perhaps a, a compromise that Senator Tim Kaine from the Commonwealth of Virginia is pushing and that's a that's a censure uh, coming out of the Senate uh, to show the disdain and uh, to really verbally punish the president uh, Trump for inciting uh, an insurrection on on January the sixth. But as we move forward, the even bigger question I think that we've got to look at is this fraction or faction within the Republican Party that are uh, authoritarian. They want to rule, they don't want to govern. They want to be obeyed, they don't want to be engaged. 
and we have really got to 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 limit that faction within the Republican Party. They aren't thinkers. They aren't worried about policy. They have been following a demagogue, uh, in my opinion, and uh, we came as close as we've ever come uh, to the the uh, true threat to our uh, democratic republic. Not much is, is coming out of President Trump during this period of time. He's relatively quiet. If you were a strategist and giving advice to President Trump and uh, assuming he wants to have a political future, uh, what kind of advice would you be giving him right now? Well, they've been sending mixed signals, Don. Um, the, some of the Trump camp has suggested that they form a new party, the Patriot Party, uh, that is based on national populism. And if that occurs, then it's going to be a complete split with the Republican Party, and it will do tremendous electoral damage uh, to the Republicans as they set their sights on capturing the United States House uh, come the 2022 elections. They see an opening there and think that they can do it. It was interesting earlier this week, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader of the House, flew down to uh, uh, Florida to see uh, the President Trump and to announce the campaign initiative in an effort to try and prevent any type of split there. But it's going to be a real question for the future of the Republican Party as they try and navigate their national populism Trump element and then your conservative elements, um, who I call your idea people, like John Hood, or like Art Pope, like, um, you know, Pat McCrory, Jim Martin, true leaders within the Republican Party, Jesse Helms, who had a, a, a political philosophy and they worked day and night to try and to implement their philosophies into public policy. It was fiscal constraint. It was limited government. It was low taxes. Um, growth and allow economic development to drive uh, your tax revenue to fund your public programs. And, you know, we really didn't see any type of major umbrella type public policy initiative or public policy ideas out of the national populist movement, other than the fact that the establishment is screwing you and we're not going to let that happen. So the chaos theory of governing under Trump that we had for four years, I think has been an abject failure. And so just having normalcy return back to the operations of our federal government has been encouraging. Trump, you know, you and I were talking before we started the show, the best strategy for Trump at this time is to focus on getting uh, his business back to a level uh, manner. The hotel, entertainment, golf industry has been upended because of COVID-19, not only here in the United States, but on his international properties as well. So when he left Washington and went to Florida, uh, he has had his hands full just working on trying to right the ship for Trump uh, businesses and the Trump brand. A lot has been made about the number of votes that uh, President, uh, ex-President Trump uh, received during the election, what percentage of those voters do you think 
were in favor of the policies that Trump advocated versus those who were just uh, future members of this so-called patriot movement. What what percentage of, how would you break that out? I think, Don, it's probably about a 65 or 70 percent of the Republican vote that Trump received was more on alignment and loyalty to the Republican Party and to some of the policies that he took as far as the economic stance and taxation, the the tax um, bill that he passed, the tax cut that he passed in late 2017, uh, I think probably 30, maybe 35 percent of the Republican base or what I would call national populist, the Trumpers, but they are the most vocal. And that element of the party right now clearly has the uh, attention and uh, the power base within the operational apparatus of the Republican Party to the point that you see the Republican office holders clearly unwilling to, to pick a fight with the Trump base within the Republican Party simply because they're worried that they don't want to have a primary. And you see you see that element, for example, in the Arizona Republican Party. The Arizona Republican Party criticized Twitter and Facebook for taking the president off their platform, and then literally 10 days later passed a resolution censoring Cindy McCain and Jeff Blake and the Republican governor for being critical of the president for alleging that the vote in the state of Arizona was invalid. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say big tech is censoring us and then literally 10 days later come back and censor leadership within your own Republican Party for speaking their mind and for standing up for free and fair elections. So that's the dichotomy of the Republican Party where we are today. And the big question is going to be, how do they dig themselves out of that trench? How does the thinking principle, idea, the concept of Republicans who truly care about limited government, who truly care about taxation and fiscal conservative uh, conservatism, uh, compassionate conservatism from the Bush era, that's going to be the real big challenge as we move forward with Republicans. With that said, Don, the other interesting thing to watch will be how the Repu- Democratic Party, Democratic Party has the same basic issue as Republicans do. You've got your ultra-liberal left, the AOCs of uh, the national level, with the moderate and the centrist. And who will end up being the governing uh, deciders within the Democratic Party? And you've seen the president have, having to attack left to make sure he placates people like Bernie and uh, Elizabeth Warren and AOC at the Democratic level. Well, it's going to be very interesting. And in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, and, and get your opinion is, is the two-party system um, truly representative now of how America thinks? And are we about to break out into some new political subdivisions that will change the whole political structure? We'll do that when we return another segment of Carolina Newsmakers, and we'll do that right after these messages. Olivia from Washington. 
laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna, from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha, from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back with Brad Crone, who's president of Campaign Connections. And uh, we are, you spent the first segment of Carolina Newsmakers talking about the uh, current situation with regard to the impeachment process that's going on. And we may go back a little bit more on that. Uh, but uh, uh, there at the end, we were beginning to talk about the divisions within both the Democratic and Republican parties, where we're beginning to split into uh, pretty clearly defined groups of people that go well beyond a two-party system. Is the two-party system dead? And of course, where does the huge number of registered affiliates fit into this whole picture? Great question, Don. I think we are seeing the end of the dominance of the two parties. I think we will see fracturing and possibly even, even splintering of the parties, especially on the Republican side, uh, first and foremost, between uh, the national populist and your, uh, what I would call your established Republicans. The, uh, the Patriot Party that President uh, Trump has suggested uh, could also play a factor in this. If they decide to set up a new party, it will impact the Republicans severely in electoral politics in the near future. I believe that we're going to continue to see splintering within the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, and you're going to continue to see the growth of the unaffiliated independent voter in the state of North Carolina. And the big question that I, that I think we will face in North Carolina is going to be uh, equal access to the ballot. Right now, if you're registered a Republican and you want to run for the state house, all you have to do is go to your county board of elections, fill out your application to file, fill out your financial disclosure and ethics forms, and pay a filing fee of about $1,000, and bam, you're on the ballot. Same thing for a Democrat. But if you're unaffiliated and you decide that you want to run for the General Assembly State House, you have to go out and collect four to 5,000 signatures, 4% of the registered number of voters in your state house district. And for many, that is a hurdle way too high. 
yet that that hurdle has not been litigated in superior court or through the appeals and the Supreme Court. I'm not a lawyer, uh, and I didn't stay at Holiday Inn Express last night, but in the lawyers and, and election officials that I've talked to, they have long said that ballot access for an independent, unaffiliated voter in North Carolina is different for than for a Democrat or for a Republican, and it is sitting there waiting for someone to challenge it on a constitutional basis for equal access and equal protection. So if we could get a legal challenge and have the courts rule that that process is invalid, then you could actually end up with an unaffiliated voter being able to gain access to the ballot. And just like um, the Democrat primary or Republican primary, if you have two or more candidates file as independents, then you need to have an independent primary. Now, that may lead to the fact in North Carolina, we're an open primary state. It may lead to the fact that we will no longer have open primaries within our parties, meaning that unaffiliated independent voters won't be able to vote in the Democratic primary or the Republican primary, but would have to elect to vote in the unaffiliated primary if there was such such an election to be held. So those are all very valid questions. You will not see either party advocate equal access to the ballot because it's not in their interest to do that. And we were talking in the first segment, Don, about the percentage of Republicans who were national populists versus what I call traditional loyal Republicans. And you're looking at basically the same split in North Carolina with the unaffiliated voters. They're registered unaffiliated voters, but the urban unaffiliated voters are more liberal your rural unaffiliated voters are more conservative. Uh, a unaffiliated voter who lives with a Democrat is 66% more likely to vote Democrat than a uh, unaffiliated voter who lives with a, another Republican. So there are dichotomies and, and there are splits down the middle on how independent voters perform. But I do think that ballot access for the unaffiliated voters is going to be critically important. One other interesting note along that line is the fact that you've seen over 5,500 Republicans in the state of North Carolina change their party affiliation since January the 6th. And that has been due primarily because of their concern um, with the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. And most of those, majority of those, signed up as unaffiliated voters. Question remains, will we see that trend continue? For those who are new to North Carolina or those who have really not followed it, an unaffiliated voter at this present time, the way the law writes now, can choose to vote in one primary or the other election by election. In other words, I can choose to vote in the Democratic uh, primary this year and maybe next year I choose to vote in the Republican primary. and. Uh, but, uh, of course, the, the thing that's always sort of bothered me about that is there's a huge number of prospective leaders and leadership that fall into that uh, group of people who are unaffiliated, and they're sort of taken out of the pool. They, they're not available to, uh, at this present time, as you've just discussed, to offer themselves as candidates. And so we're losing a large pool of prospective leaders uh, the way the system works right now. Uh, the... Two-party system in uh, other states operates a little differently. 
Do you think the North Carolina system is the best where we have the open primaries? I think open primaries do allow uh, independent voters access to get involved in the primary. You know, I grew up in Johnston County, and uh, the only primary that made any difference was who was going to be your sheriff and who was going to be the clerk of the court. And so to, to be engaged in those primaries, you had to register as a Democrat in the 60s, 70s, and, and early 80s. And it's been interesting to watch as, as Johnston County has grown, it's transformed from a strong Democratic county into a strong Republican county. I think open primaries do allow voters a choice to participate. They want to have a voice more in local government. And I think you're absolutely right, Don, about the selection of the quality of our candidates. And that's very, very concerning. When you see um, good men and good women saying, I really don't know if I want to put myself through the gauntlet of running for public office, whether it's a full uh, inspection of my tax records, my business records, my the reluctance of having your name pulled through the mud and attached because you gave Hillary Clinton $150 and to be beat up for that donation, it really does raise the question about the dialogue of our campaigns and how those uh, interactions impact someone's willingness to go through that process. Uh, I was talking with our good friend Rufus Edmonston a couple of weeks ago, right before Christmas, about, you know, could a candidate such as Rufus make it through the political grinder of today? And we both laughed. And, you know, Rufus has been known to have a very good time. Um, and even he was criticized for it. Um, Governor Martin would criticize him during the campaign. But the question is, could he maintain that scrutiny? You know, could Locke Faircloth, my former boss, and, and uh, you know, the intermingling of your personal life and your professional and your political life, so many people just do not want to have to go through that gauntlet. So you end up with your Trent Marjorie Greens out of uh, Dalton, Georgia, who have no compunction whatsoever about um, having to go through the mud, not worrying about going through the mud, uh, having the, the character or integrity question and just go full bore. And uh, that's where we're ending up with, with candidates such as that and office holders such as that, um, simply because she's willing to get down in the lowest level of the muds with anybody at any time. Well, it, it certainly, you know, almost everybody uh, can find something in their past where they made a what was probably a good decision at the time uh, and uh, probably had no ill uh, intent at all at the time. But 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, as times change and things change, it makes those decisions look uh, questionable in today's standards. And, and I, that is a hard standard yeah. to, to live up to. Let me ask you another question. Uh, current percentages of registered Democrats, Republicans, and unaffiliated in North Carolina? Democrats, probably around 37%. And uh, the Republicans, probably around 
31, 32% and unaffiliated right there with it. The unaffiliated voters about to overtake the Republicans at the statewide level in registration. And of course, uh, the, the, you know, if you were to break down the unaffiliated and put them in a Republican or Democratic category because they're going to have to vote one way or the other, how would you, how would you line up North Carolina now? 60% of the unaffiliated voters tend to vote uh, Republican and about 40% of them uh, tend to vote uh, Democratic. Uh, it was interesting in the election here in North Carolina this year, uh, Biden was able to break that a little bit. It was almost a 50-50 split in unaffiliated voter performance. In 2008 and in 2006, unaffiliated voter performance for Democrats was right at 55-56%. And that's the last time the Democrats have had that high of a, a watermark. In the 2010, when you saw the major overshift uh, in power, the Republicans were able to capture almost 60% of the Republican vote, excuse me, of the unaffiliated vote. So you really do see the importance of the unaffiliated vote deciding who's going to govern North Carolina. Interesting. Well, uh, the whole political scene seems to be an ever moving thing. And of course we want to talk about the recently completed census that uh, uh, is going to cause redistricting and perhaps change the political scene in North Carolina again uh, for the next election. And we'll do that when we return with our guest, Brad Crone, here on Carolina Newsmakers. And we'll do that right after these messages. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> we want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Brad Crone, who we enjoy talking political strategy. Brad uh, is uh, one of these uh, uh, pragmatic uh, political strategists. I think he worked basically with Democratic candidates for the most part, but, uh, but by the same token, you're a keen observer of the whole political scene, and I think that's why our conversations are so interesting to me. We have just finished a census, and uh, we don't have the final results yet, but almost everybody assumes that North Carolina, one, is moving around and the population is shifting, and also North Carolina's had significant growth. 
which is probably going to lead to a, an additional congressional district. And of course, all the districts will have to be uh, reassigned, not only on the federal level because of that, uh, congressional districts, but also uh, the, the state districts. So what's your view of how that's going to shake out, uh, Brad? Well, uh, on Friday, Don, the census put out notice that they are looking at July before they distribute the uh, population block data to uh, state, county, and local governments. So there's still a lot of work. The Biden administration signaled right after they took office that they are willing uh, to look at recalculations uh, of numbers, in particular looking at um, – Green, hard, green card holders and perhaps illegal aliens that the Trump administration had gone to the Supreme Court uh, to not have any type of census calculations. So they're reformulating uh, that process. That's going to delay the final count. That fact alone will mean that the legislature will probably come back in August, late August, and work in September and October on redistricting um, the new legislative maps for the state Senate and the state House. It will also impact Wake County and all the other 99 counties across the state on how they look at their districting, whether it's at large with districts or one man, one vote at large districts, in particular in rural counties across the state. And that will raise a question for our county governments on representation of minorities for those counties that are strictly at large. And from a policy perspective, what I'm saying is that many counties across the state will really have to look at, at how uh, African-American, Latino, and Asian people of uh, black and brown skin are represented at the county level. And that will be an intriguing process um, and, and public policy discussions, uh, voter engagement and interactions, even down to the local level. At the municipal level, uh, cities like Greensboro and Winston-Salem, Charlotte and Raleigh may actually, because of the delay in the release of the data, have to postpone uh, realignment of their city districts. So, it will be a huge issue during the first and second quarter. And then once we get the data of how the data is utilized, manipulated and drawn. One thing I will say about the Republicans that I have respected since they took office in 2010 is the Republicans made a promise to the citizens of North Carolina that they would respect a county line. They would respect a municipal line they would respect a precinct line. So the amount of uh, splits in precincts and cities and in counties has been very limited to what we saw in redistricting from the Democrats in the 1990s and the 2000s. And the Republicans were even able to get pre-clearance on the first rounds of maps that put them in a supermajority in 2012 through the Obama Justice Department. So uh, this next process that we go through with legislative map drawing, I think will be a little more judicious because I, I do think uh, Speaker Moore 
And the president pro tem Berger learned a lesson during the, the nine years of litigation that they went through and went through the state Supreme court um, of, of working on a better process of drawing the maps. And do I think the Republicans will work to draw a supermajority? Yes, I do. If the Democrats had control, the Democrats would clearly work to make sure that they had a margin of uh, victory that would ensure a majority. It goes back to the fact that North Carolina clearly needs an independent redistricting commission to help. You're never going to remove all the politics out of it but to remove a good portion of the politics out of it. And that means, Don, that rather than having just 25 competitive legislative races for the state house and state Senate, there are 170 seats and every single one of the seats in the general assembly should be competitive so that the voters are able to pick their politicians, not the politicians allowing them to pick who their voters are. Correct me if I'm, wrong on this, but if you're running for Congress, you can run in any district, no matter where you live. In other Correct. words, I can run in the first district, but I can live in Raleigh. Uh, but on the state level, you have to live within the district that uh, you're serving. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, same thing for the county district and municipal district. It seems like to me that if they got rid of that rule, they might eliminate some of the strange bedded uh, bedfellows that come up when incumbents are trying to uh, redistrict to save uh, their district and their their residents. Yeah, now that could be something that they need to look at. I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Uh, I think a lot of the concern is to make sure um, that there is minority representation uh, in uh, our county governments and our city governments and within our, our, our legislative government. Because, well, one thing is almost certain is North Carolina will pick up at least one more congressional district. Uh, there's not much hope to pick up two, is there? I don't think so, but we will be real close to picking up two. It will be another probably eight or nine years. Um, you're seeing states like Wisconsin and Michigan saying that they are worried about losing. Um, the, the state of Georgia will probably pick up one, if not two congressional seats as well. So you're seeing the great migration from uh, the Rust Belt, in particular the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, coming into uh, the Mid-Atlantic region and in, into the South. Uh, and I think that's a trend that you're going to continue to see a, 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 an effect from COVID-19 is the fact that folks in New York City are moving down to Raleigh and Charlotte because they want to get rid of the, they, they want to leave the density. They want to be able to have a half acre lot or a quarter acre lot and a 2,500 square foot house and uh, not be literally living up next to their neighbor. So the real estate market in the state of North Carolina and basically all our urban areas and even in our suburban or exurban areas or it's just going to be tremendous, I think, for the next several years. One of the things that is coming out of the COVID-19 situation with Zooming, and by the way, our broadcast today is coming from a Zoom. Brad's in his office, I'm in mine, and, and Jason is back in the studios. We've learned a lot of new tricks, and a lot of people are finding out that they can live 
somewhere rather than where their business is. And I understand that, for example, in Moorhead City and the Crystal Coast, uh, there's a huge population gain during the last year. Uh, is that going to change North Carolina politics greatly when people move around and, and start uh, working in one place and living in another? I think it is, Don. I think it's going to create a lot of uh, a lot of issues as a result of that, and a lot of it's going to be population increase, demand on services for our smaller cities, such as Wilmington, such as Moorhead City, such as Jacksonville, Elizabeth City. They're seeing a huge growth. I went down the week after Christmas to Duck, North Carolina, for a week, and the the Usually, it is pretty dead at the Outer Banks at that period of time, and it was almost like uh, early May or mid-May type population with traffic and the number of people who were down there, and they're living at their houses, working and uh, enjoying you know, life at, at uh, Duck on the Sound and on the Atlantic Ocean. So, I, I think we're going to see that trend continue. I do think that we're coming out. There is light at the end of the tunnel. We're seeing Johnson & Johnson announce uh, late in the week that their efficacy data on their vaccine is right at 72, 73% on the initial trial. They've still got some additional data to do. I think we'll see a third vaccine from Novavax probably by the end of February. J&J coming along probably the end of March. And we're going to have the president has is working on increasing the amount of vaccines coming into the state. So the level of anxiety and anticipation that we've seen since the announcement of the vaccine will decrease a little bit as the, the real big issue we're seeing with COVID right now is just the supply of the vaccine. Well, that, that's true. And of course, even uh, within areas, it seems to be rather strange how one county has an abundance and another county doesn't. And people are moving from, say, Wake County to Granville County to get their vaccine. And uh, it doesn't seem to be bothering the people in Granville County one bit. Right. And uh, I, totally. The one thing I heard late in the week, too, being speculated was taking the dosage that the state receives, I think it's almost 100,000, 150,000 doses of vaccine, and using those doses to get our public teachers inoculated and put a pause on the 65 plus and say to the population 65 plus, hey, we're going to wait a week. Let us get our teachers inoculated so we can get our schools open back up. Well, that uh, certainly uh, at this point in time, everybody is lining up and trying to, uh, point out their uh, importance to the overall uh, uh, economy and the overall uh, public service uh, that they, they they provide. And every, I think every one of them has a very good point. Our, our guest is Brad Crone. We'll be back with one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers, and we will do that right after these messages. <coughs> to some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. 
especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. The galaxy is safe once again. In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Brad Cron on Carolina Newsmakers, and uh, I'd like to point out that next week we'll have a new format on our program, and we will have actually more content. We're re-formatting uh, the program, and we will actually have about uh, four minutes of additional content in the hour, and uh, I think that will make it uh, a little bit more interesting and uh, a few fewer commercials, and uh, that's where the time's coming from. And we're looking forward to that change. That will begin next week on both the hour and the half hour version of the program. And as I said, a number of stations carry a half hour version. If you'd like to hear the segments that you miss, uh, uh, and there are two of them, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those two segments. If you happen to be listening to a station that carries the 30 minute version of Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the president of Campaign Connections and a political strategist, a frequent guest on our program, Brad Crone, and we've talked about all sorts of things. Um, we are uh, now beginning the <laughs> political process and we're gonna have one really hot race here in North Carolina uh, and people are beginning to line up already for it. And that's the United States Senate seat currently uh, held by Senator Burr, who is not seeking re-election. Um, and uh, that seat could very well determine who controls the, the Senate uh, two years from now. So what's your view and opinion on what's happening in that, uh, Brad? Don, we're going to see another barn burner campaign for the United States Senate here in North Carolina, just like you witnessed in the 2020 election cycle, where you could see millions, multiple millions another $100, $150 million type campaign because the gateway to the majority in the United States Senate will travel through North Carolina. And you're seeing the Republicans line up for it. You're seeing Democrats line up for it. Right now on the Republican side, I would say your leading candidates are former Governor Pat McCrory, Laura Trump, who has campaigned. She's a native of North Carolina from Wilmington. She campaigned heavily in here for her father-in-law, Donald Trump. She's married to Eric Trump, and she has a built-in organization from the president's uh, apparatus, campaign apparatus, that would be formidable immediately. Dan Forrest, the former lieutenant governor's name's being bannered around. He has not made any type of comment whether he's running or not. Former Congressman uh, Mark Walker, a uh, uh, Baptist minister from Greensboro, uh, served two terms, three terms in the United States House, is actively campaigning now. He's in his car. He's out going and meeting. Uh, I heard when the deputy down in Nash County died uh, a week after Thanksgiving from a, 
automobile acts that he he was engaged in uh, chasing a suspect. Uh, the congressman went down and met with the deputies and with the sheriff in, in Nash County. So Mark Walker is on the campaign trail. He has uh, a, a team of campaign advisors. I hear uh, the Republican operative Charles Helwig uh, from Wake County has been working with them on some grassroots. There's no better uh, Republican consultant at the grassroots level than Charles Helwig in the state of North Carolina. Um, so they are building their teams. It was interesting on Twitter Thursday night, Don, uh, Darren Jackson, the former minority leader in the state house, posted on his Twitter feed that he had received a polling call testing the candidates uh, and that it looked like um, they were testing uh, the Democrat Jeff Jackson against all four of the Republicans, Walker, Dan Forrest, McCrory. Uh, then there's also discussion that former uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice Sherry Beasley, who lost her election effort by less than 500 votes to Chief Justice Newby, that uh, she is a, a leading candidate. Jeff Jackson went ahead and announced earlier this week on Wednesday that he was running. So Jeff Jackson's um, biggest hurdle that he's got to overcome is not being called Cal 2. Uh, he's a, has a military background, has done active duty, I believe in both uh, Iraq and in Afghanistan. He's a former prosecutor and uh, assistant district attorney in Gaston County and has served in the state Senate now. This will be his third term, I believe, or fourth term coming up in the state Senate from Charlotte. Very attractive, 38 years old, great person, great man. Question's going to be for Jeff Jackson. Will the Democratic Party embrace another white male military attorney uh, versus looking at more diversity, whether it's Erica Smith, former state senator from Northampton County, or is it Sherry Beasley, the former Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice? If I was a betting man right now, if Chief Justice Beasley gets into the race, uh, she will become immediately the front runner for uh, the Democratic Party. The other caveat in the Senate race is, uh, does the mayor of Charlotte by laws uh, run for the United States Senate or does she look at running for governor in 2024 uh, as the Democratic nominee? And that would be an interesting fight too for the Democrats between uh, Josh Stein, the attorney general and the mayor of Charlotte. So it was going to be a dynamic race. There are going to be a lot of issues on economic recovery, on COVID response, on health care, and on immigration, that these candidates are going to be able to have to articulate, discuss, and uh, get the input and the feelings of the people of North Carolina on how we move forward looking at the 2022 election. We've got the impeachment coming up. We alluded to that earlier in the first segment of Carolina Newsmakers. I have a theory that one of the reasons that President Trump has been so quiet during leaving office is the fact that he realizes that he's going to have uh, access to the American public in a way that he could not have otherwise through the impeachment. He, he may actually be looking forward to it. What would you say to that comment? Uh, you know, I think the president's probably been pretty busy trying to right the ship of business for his own Trump organization. 
I think that the, the president leaves office fully disgraced. I think the best option for us is to pursue a censure rather than go through the process of a complete trial. The Democrats, though, want to proceed with the trial, even though they know they don't have the votes to convict. But they really do want to lay out the case of uh, why they should proceed with impeachment and why Donald J. Trump will go down in our nation's history as our worst president ever. And, of course, there are some Republicans who are quietly saying well, that's that's kind of OK with us. Absolutely. You're seeing a wink and a nod from Mitch McConnell. And uh, as I said earlier, I don't think the Republicans really want to pursue it simply because they're worried about the Trump base and how the Trump base interacts within the Republican Party. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens. Uh, things are uh, moving along. And I guess uh, the next time you're on the, uh, the program, we will have an answer to all that, as well as uh, some additional insight as to who the candidates might be for the United States Senate seat as that election process is already underway, which is amazing. Brad, thank you so much for sharing time with us. Uh, uh, any, uh, you've got 15 seconds for a closing thought. Well, the next show that we do, Don, I want to talk about the most important race in the 2022 election cycle, and that's going to be the North Carolina Supreme Court race. That's going to be the contest everybody will be paying attention to. Well, we will do that, and I'll put that on my list of things to ask you next time you're on. Uh, our program, of course, has been produced by Jason Kong. As I said, we'll have a new format next week, uh, additional time. And uh, if you would like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that, uh, carolinanewsmakers.com. Jason Kong has produced our program, and he'll have another guest for us again next week on the same group of stations. So until next week, same time, same station, I hope you have a very, very good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Carolina Newsmakers.